The, the fact is that they got themselves in trouble to begin with, and you're not going to replace them in the quicksand. So therefore, the options have to be so that they are getting their self out. You're just showing them the options and telling them what they need to do you know, to get there. So yeah, I will do that even if I'm not going to get anything out of it, okay? You know what I'm saying? So the answer is yes, I would do that because um, I know that I'm not going to get in the quicksand, but I will say, this is what you need to do. Can you do this? And they'll say, no, I can't do that. And we'll go to the next step. So, you know, for me, it's about, you know. Um... Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, I am fired up today because we have David Randolph and I got to have a very in-depth, detailed pre-call where this guy laid some bombs on me, some bombs about how he does seven figures a year in his consulting businesses. But that's as a result of all the skills and processes he built in the short sale arena, being able to buy short sale deals at unbelievably steep discounts and in truly amazing ways. This skill that he built, this process has allowed him to not only gain so much financial success and freedom, he now is a coach and he is passing on that knowledge to others and helping people fund their deals in the process. So this is one of the more holistic things that I've come across, David, in the sense that you're not just providing the education, but you're providing the money and the systems and the entire process, almost franchise-like, not quite, but almost franchise-like in the sense that People can get the whole thing. So we're really excited to dive into your story, but we're also really, really excited to dive into the how-tos and the strategies. So that being said, can you take us into the craziest transaction experience that you faced? I'm sure you have many being in the short sale business. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of them because when you're dealing with families that are in distress, they're bringing in their own life situation that's that's not usually your problem, but is their problem. <laughs> And so I, I think, you know, if I want to keep it to one that had several uh, interesting aspects to the short sale process was one where I had that was on the short sale. It was actually the lender uh, was a credit union. And if you know, in the short sale business, those are really hard to do short sales on because they're not really a federal bank, you know, and so they can follow their own rules. So I thought, well, that's going to be a little bit strange to try to do this one. Then I find out that there's a second lien position um, also with a credit union. Okay, so it's like now I've got two credit unions on this and I'm going to try to, you know, do a short sale. Then it gets more interesting than that. The homeowner, the, the seller, the person in distress uh, is a um, regional vice president for a major U.S. bank. Okay, so, so it's like, so I'm going to do a short sale on the bank by president, vice president of the banks I'm doing short sales with, you know, and I said, are you allowed to do that? And, and she said, yeah, the, it's, it's, it's two credit unions. It's nothing to do with the fact that I'm the vice president of, you know, XX major bank. I go, okay, okay. Uh, so then I, I do the short sale. I do my, my, you know, long process and I get to the end of it. And, and uh, the bank gives an approval letter with a, deficiency, which means that they, the homeowner would have to pay the difference between, 
you know, what I'm buying it for and what the loan was. And that's a no-no. We, we never do that in short sales. We get the homeowner off with zero deficiency. I say that in the beginning. And so the because it was the credit union, they were in making sure there was a deficiency. And I said, you know, uh, to the homeowner, I said, look, you know, I apologize. There's, you know, I can't do this deal because, you know, I promised you that I would get you out of this and I'm not going to, you know, make money on this house and have you have a deficiency. And so I said, I'm not going to, you know, be able to buy the house. And so she says, well, no, I want you to do it anyway. Okay. And I'm like, Whoa. well, no, no. And I just, just to my... clarify. Yeah. Just Go to ahead. clarify, just so the, the audience, because most people don't know because the banks didn't pursue it. But essentially when you say deficiency, what you mean is let's say the property is where is, the debt is 500,000. And you're buying it for a hundred thousand. If they do that and they keep the deficiency, that person will owe four hundred thousand after the sale happens, right? So they don't have the asset anymore. They don't have the house, and they still owe four hundred grand. Is that exactly, right? Exactly, Matt. Which is right. which you never, you know, as a real estate investor and entrepreneur helping homeowners out and what we do, right? You can't let that happen. And that's what the the credit union was saying was take it or leave it terms. And so, you know, I mean, I was going to make a lot of money. But I couldn't do that. And so I told the lady, you know, uh, you know, yes, I, you know, yeah, you know, you know, I'm sorry, you know, you don't have to pay me for what I did. I, I got you time in the house, you know, but I'm not going to be able to buy it. And she said, no, no, I want you to buy it. And I said, no, I said I wouldn't. She she tells her attorney and her attorney writes me a letter and says, no, we want you to buy the house, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, because I, the theory was he said, well, we'll just file bankruptcy later you know, on the 400,000, right? You know, I'm like, no, I, I still won't do that. So basically what happened to make this whole crazy story come to the end here is that, um, you know, I went back to the bank or the credit union and I said, hey, wait a minute. No, that's not going to be acceptable. That won't work with a deficiency. Um, how much money would it take for me to buy that off? What would it take for you to make that be a deficiency of zero? And they came back and they said $25,000. Okay, so basically I paid $25,000 more for the house than what I really needed to pay. And then it got the deficiency to zero. It got her out of the deal. Her attorney was happy because I went through with the deal. And so that was kind of the strangest one. Now, I'm not done with how strange it was. Okay, so that was an interesting mm -hmm. aspect. Uh, you know, I made $100,000 profit on that house. Okay. So don't cry for me that I paid an extra 25,000. So I, I could have made 125,000. Instead, I only made 100. So, so don't cry, you know, that I spent that extra money. I do have integrity, but, you know, it's, I still made money. Now, the end of the story, okay, you want my craziest short sale story. I'm going to end it right here with this. That was done in a Roth IRA, $100,000 profit in a Roth. I, I'm sure your, your viewers know what a Roth IRA is, tax-free forever. <laughs> yeah, let's let, let's just break it down a little bit too. I mean, and we're going to throw the disclaimer out there. None of us are CPAs or, or attorneys or anything like that. But my understanding of what you're saying is you've already paid taxes on this money. That's what happened before it went into your Roth IRA. So everything you make in your Roth IRA forever now is tax-free. And yes. so essentially this $100,000 is non-tax. It's better than a 1031 because you're not deferring it. It's just not taxed. Yeah, it's never taxed at all. And it continues to grow, making money untaxed. And then when you take it out, when you're over age 59 and a half, then that's kind of the key to it is, you know, you have to wait till you're 59 and a half and then that's not taxed either. Okay, so it is never taxed. So it's a great way to do real estate and, 
And that's some of the stuff, you know, you know, we can talk about, you know, on your program here, but uh, that is my craziest story you asked for. <laughs> Love this six figures, even with the paying the extra 25,000 and you get to make sure that that homeowner gets to walk away. Scott, you know, without any that I love that. And I love your attention and your concern for the person too, in that the deal only works if it works for everybody. So, you know, kudos to you on, on having that balance between profit and people. Um, that's really encouraging. So let's dive in right away to how to find the deals. If we can run this in a sequential order, let's start with how do you market? How do you find these deals? Okay, well, you know, I've been doing tw uh, short sales for 12 years. So this is my method of buying houses. And so I kind of got into a, a pattern and a method. And, you know, there's always additional ways. But, you know, the way that I teach my students and the way that I do it myself is, you know, I like to use direct mail. So what happens is, you know, I want to find the names and addresses of those people uh, that are going to be a potential short sale situation. So one of the ways that you find those, it's the, what I call the easy low hanging fruit is let's help out the people that have a foreclosure date. Okay. So, you know, and so a foreclosure date means that the bank is going to take their home at a certain time and day at the county courthouse steps all across the nation. This happens. Okay. And, and some of them are literally outside in the rain uh, on it. And then a few kind of went to a little bit of online stuff. Uh, but, you know, because of the pandemic that we had, but, you know, you want to go uh, for the people that have that foreclosure date. So, you know, what I teach people there is that, um, you know, all, all foreclosures um, are county specific. All across the nation, a foreclosure takes place in the county that the house resides in. And therefore, every one of those has to have a legal posting. So what I teach is to go what, to what's called, and, and write this down, county legal newspaper. So you can call up the mayor of your city and say, hey, Mr. Mayor, what is the county legal newspaper, you know, for your, you know, county you're in? And that is the one where they post government contracts, uh, probate, and then foreclosures. So I teach my students to go directly to, you know, that legal newspaper. That's, that's basically the easy way to find them. Excellent. So you go to the county newspaper, you grab a list of these properties, you send direct mail, I'm assuming with a tracking phone number that can track the number of pieces that sent out, the number of calls that come in, and then you just wait for the phone to ring. Is that, is that fair? Or are there other methods that you use to get these properties? No, there are certainly many other methods, but you know, over 12 years, I want to do what's like, you know, the, the easiest, you know, I can pay somebody to write letters. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of thing. And so, you know, is there SEO, bandit signs and other techniques? Certainly you can. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, I want them to understand they have a problem and then to reach out to me. Matter of fact, it's kind of a little strange. And when I'm doing a short sale and I'm talking to them on the phone, uh, you know, sometimes these are distressed people. And, and if they're uh, combative, you know, if they're not agreeable, you know, kind of, you know, if they don't kind of ask me how high to jump on the phone, you know, while they're in the air, I won't help them. Okay. So I, I want them to take that step of reaching out to me to ask for help, to ask me for information with it and stuff. And so that's why it's just really important to get that phone number, you know, to them in a letter, you know. Um, and so that that's really what I'm looking for is that phone call coming. Now, I'll tell you that, you know, I, you know, I do, um, you know, uh, well, I don't, I, I really didn't give my background too much, but, you know, I'm, you know, not looking for a large quantity of these. And so basically if it's like the, 
you know, so it's going on a monthly basis by the, like by the 20th of the, of the month, you know, three weeks into the month, if I haven't gotten any phone calls, then I started to get a little worried because I want to do one short sale a month. Okay. So then I might make some phone calls out to some of the people I mailed to, but I usually give them a couple of weeks for them to call me uh, with it. And so that's kind of generally how I you know do it and how I kind of teach my, my students uh, in general, you know, of how to reach out to them. It's through the foreclosure list. Absolutely tremendous. So you send out the outbound mailer. Could you describe what the process looks like when you get that inbound call? So what are your goals on the first conversation? What are you trying to identify? And let's kind of just dive into that. Oh yeah, that's, that's really exciting. So, you know, what you, so here's the thing, um, you know, that you, you that you don't want to do. Okay. Uh, the phone rings and you answer it and you don't want to say to him, Hey, you know, I saw this David Randolph guy on the Freedom Chasers podcast, and he made $100,000 on this short sale in his Roth. W would you, sir, please let me do a sh short sale on your house? Okay, that's, that's not what you say to him on the phone. Instead, what you want to do is you want to focus on how you can help them. Okay, how you can help them stay in the house. So the very first question, Tim, that we want to ask him is, do you want to keep the house or do you want to sell the house? Okay, and, and that's the, really the first thing you do because that determines two paths that you go down. See, everyone else, you know, all the wholesalers and all the, you know, uh, companies, big wholesale companies, you know, they're a cash offer, cash offer, cash offer, right? You know, and so they get really tired of that. And then, you know, they give them a cash offer for $5, okay? And the homeowner's like, well, that's not even gonna pay my loan off, you know? So you're, you're not gonna do me any good. And so they get mad at those people instead, you know, why don't you say, hey, you know, I can help you keep your house. And those people, they hang the phone up because they can't help them keep the house. They want to buy it for $5. So so that's the, the gist is that very first phone call, the first time you speak with them is to find out what they want to do with the house. Love this. So let's let's dive into this a little bit deeper. So once they say, I want to keep my house, is it truly your intention of helping them keep the house? Or Absolutely. is your intention... And so can you guide us through, like, what is the attempt that you make to help them keep the house? Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, th this is um, about helping families out. This is why I started on this 12 years ago in the great debacle of foreclosures was to help families out. And so that's where your heart has to be. And so, you know, you want to find out, you know, what that desire is from them. And, the, and so you will... Uh, spend your time helping them through what you know knowledge wise and, and and you know process wise with the banks you know to get them to be able to achieve that goal and and then if that is something that results in you not being able to buy the house um, that's okay because they have friends they probably have other friends that are buying big screen tvs and missing their payments too and and they'll share your information with them so what happens is in that process there are many steps of options that they have. So what you're going to say to them is, hey, you have options, okay, and these are what your options are. Let's evaluate each one. And then what happens is, you know, um, most of the time you end up with that option of, you know, one, they don't have that rich uncle to make up the missed payments. Okay, that option is gone. Okay, and then you end up, you know, you may end up at where, you know, okay, you're going to lose a the home. There's this option called short sale. 
and it lets you stay in the house much longer and you're not making any payments on your house so you're saving your money up uh, it's going to basically remove the deficiency you know even if david has to spend 25 grand you know it'll remove the deficiency it will make your credit score not get hit like a foreclosure uh, and and these other things like that and so then that's where you know you get your sale your purchase your business that you're running um, but there's a lot of uh, you know, many options, you know, before you get you know down to that last one of the short sale. That is a tremendous answer. Um, you briefly mentioned the short sale process before, and I would love to get a little bit deeper into that. Obviously, this is a complicated procedure, so let's kind of do broad strokes, broad strokes, A to Z. What does the short sale process look like? Okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, it basically starts with the fact that the homeowner is in financial trouble and not able to make their monthly payment. So therefore, the bank has a process where they're going to eventually take the home to foreclosure, which is for them to take it back and then they will own the house. And so you start with, you know, that process that they need to miss a payment, be in a position where they're not going to be able to get back on track you know, with them. And so then what happens is you're going to reach out and you're going to help them. You're going to get an authorization to be able to speak to the bank. And so they're going to let you take over everything, which is really nice because now it's just you and the bank. And so then you're going to find out the type of loan that it is. Uh, and then you're going to follow a certain process uh, that that lender type and that bank type. So you have both, you have two factors. You have the bank that the loan is with and you have the loan type. So loan type is FHA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you've heard of those. And then the type of bank is like Bank of America, US Bank, Wells Fargo. And so you're gonna find that information out and then you're going to then uh, proceed with the right process for that bank and that type of loan. And it could be you know, a modification process. Uh, it could be directly to the short sale. So let's just go ahead and say that uh, you know, we're past the loan modification process and we're on to the short sale process. In that particular case, what's gonna happen is you know, they're going to need to have basically an offer on the house. So, so, uh, and so I'll, just, I'll give another little uh, bomb here for people that they miss all the time. It's unbelievable, uh, but write this down. So in that, you know, I said that the bank is going to need a purchase sale contract, right? You know, they need to know that there is a buyer on it. And so in that purchase sale contract, you need to make it cash offer as is. So write that down, cash offer as is. If you turn in, uh, offer to the bank that is dependent on the buyer getting a loan, they don't want that. They're not going to spend all this time on the process to find out the buyer can't actually close. Now, cash as is, but here I'll tell you the other trick. You absolutely do not have to close with cash from you. You can get a loan. You can come, and I do all the time, you buy the short sale at the end of the process with a loan, okay? It isn't actual cash, okay? So you, but the offer is cash. That's the trick is turn that offer in with cash. Absolutely. Tremendous answer. It is definitely a process and you want to influence that process as much as you can to your advantage, of course, but within reason. So, I mean, there's something that you keep mentioning that I want to dive into a little bit because your heart is clearly in helping. Like you want to help as many people as possible, it sounds like. So, I mean... Were you always that way? Were you taught to be a helper? How did that evolve over your career? Well, I mean, you know, it's, you know, you, you've got, you know, I was an engineer, okay? And I was working for a corporation and I was working for somebody else. And there was a time where, 
you know, I, I was actually making six figures. I was a technology manager. You know, I got an engineering degree and, and I went into a, a, res, a review, you know, with the company executives. And they basically told me that, you know, I wasn't going to make any more money than what I was already making. And so I'd risen all the way up. They said, no one makes more than what the president makes of the company. And so, you know, and, and, you know, I've been, you know, working there, um, you know, for, you know, probably 15, you know, 20, you know, 17 years. And that was as high as I, you know, I, that whole time I had been helping that company build something. Okay. I love building things. I love, you know, helping out whoever I'm with and what I'm working on. And so basically, you know, when I found out that nobody cared about what I was doing anymore, I left and went into real estate. Okay. Uh, and so that was a way that then you have to make that decision. All new real estate investors listening to this, you have to make a decision. How are you going to buy your houses and what are you going to do with them? And so for me, uh, I had to pick a method and could I buy off the MLS? Sure. I could buy houses off the MLS, but that's pretty dry. Uh, you don't even get to meet the homeowner. And so in this particular case, how can we help people out? How can I be of value to people and make money? So that's what led me to, you know, the short sale method. If you do the courthouse steps, you know, you're just, you know, bidding in 10 minutes and you either have the house or don't, you didn't help anybody out, you know, in it and stuff. Mm -hmm. So me, I'm always trying to make everything better for the people involved with me, you know, with it and stuff. And, and, and I want to be rewarded for that. Okay. I don't do chair. It's not charity work. I, I mean, you know, I am only helping that person that's not a short sale because I believe they will tell someone else. Okay. I'm mm -hmm. running a business. Okay. I, I don't spend my time, you know, um, you know, doing that, you know, charity full time like that. You know, I am running a business and I'm doing it to help families out with it and stuff and being rewarded for that um, and stuff. So I think it, you know, came from my background, you know, as being an engineer and trying to excel in what I do and create checklists and procedures and, and make things work better. And here you, these families are in trouble. They need help. They're going to lose their home. And, and while it's complicated, you know, you can keep them in that house and help them start over. I love your last statement there because that's exactly where I was going. So, I mean, you said your first question is, do you want to keep the house? So if their answer to that question is yes, they're obviously underwater. So is there an exit strategy for you that you could still make a profit there? Or, you, or do you just try to assist them in stop, stopping the foreclosure and hoping for the referral at that point? Yeah, I mean, you know, there, well, okay, but I, I probably don't understand your question exactly. Could, let me just go ahead and ask you to repeat the question in general, because I'm going to, I want to mm -hmm. answer it in a certain way. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, your first question when you get them on the phone is to define whether or not they want to keep the house, right? So if their answer is, I want to keep the house, like, is there an exit strategy for you that is profitable there? Because obviously they're underwater. So like, what yeah, does that um, look like? Yeah, yeah. If they want to keep the house, um, the 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 fact is that they got themselves in trouble to begin with, and you're not going to replace them in the quicksand. So therefore, the options have to be so that they are getting their self out. You're just showing them the options and telling them what they need to do, you know, to get there. So yeah, I will do that, even if I'm not going to get anything out of it. Okay, you know what I'm saying. So the answer is yes, I would do that because um, I know that I'm not going to get in the quicksand, but I will say, this is what you need to do. Can you do this? And they'll say, no, I can't do that. And then we'll go to the next step. So, you know, for me, it's about, you know, uh, you know, giving them the information they need. Right on. So you have 
given us a, a set of gems from pricing structures and percentages and negotiation patterns and all the way through. Can you give us an idea now about the size of the market that you work and the number of deals that you're doing? And I know you're not into this like, hey, I want to do a million deals because you're financially set. So you've kind of defined your life to work for you. But can you just give our audience a sample of size of market, number of deals you do per year, and if you could and would do more, what could it look like in that market? Um, you know, for me, it's a volume. It's a volume business. Um, and you, um, you know, you can do wholesaling and do a lot or you can do very few. You know, because I'm a rehabber, I choose to do a low volume of business, you know, 10 to 12 a year. Um, if you're going to do wholesaling, you could do more because, you know, you have more time. Right. You know, and so basically, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, you have, let me give you an example. You know, I do mine in St. Charles County, okay, Missouri, and there are 40 foreclosures per month in St. Charles County. I just want one out of the 40. And then the next month, there's another 40 people. Okay. Um, I'm doing 10 or 12 a year in St. Louis County. In St. Louis County, there are almost 300. St. Louis County's bigger. There's over 300 per month. So every month there's another, you know, 300. So I think it's a question of what you, the type of business exit strategy you have that you want to run. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the bigger factor. There, there's 1.2 million delinquent loans out there right now. So there's more than enough. Okay. Love this. So you've given us just an, an amazing thing. So I just want to, first of all, thank you so much for sharing so deeply into the numbers of your business and not holding back. And guys, if you're listening, I mean, Tim's already kind of mentioned it. There, there's just so many things to take action upon, whether it's getting the county newspapers, whether it's sending out the mailers, it's, it's the negotiation strategies, it's the helping clients. There's so many things that you can take action on. So write one of them down and share it with somebody you know so you can take action the next seven days. And guess freedom is not that far away. It's only, it's one action at a time. And if you take even just a couple of these actions, within a couple of years, you could be living a life of freedom. So guys, thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.